Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we are here today to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 266, the late August 1990 issue on sale June 19th of 1990 with a cover price of a dollar. This one's titled Gambit Out of the Frying Pan, I, I guess. <laughs> I'm not really sure if it's Gambit or if it's Out of the Frying Pan or if it's both of those. I mean, the next one's titled Nanny Into the Fire, so I guess it has some sort of thing. Somebody's doing a thing. But the last couple of issues have been name titles, so I guess I guess we're just going to go with Gambit on this one. Okay. I'm good with that. Uh, the cover here is it's, it's pretty good. Pretty good. It's not great. Uh, it's Andy Kubert. Andy Kubert is coming into his own i don't think he's the andy kubert that we'll know and love so this is two things this is not a good cover Uh, (laughs) uh, and two this is also a classic cover so if i saw this on a t-shirt i would totally buy it but there are lots of problems uh like gambit's entire body is all messed up um his arm looks like it's not really even attached or some like drawn as a separate attachment like somebody like connected him like a ken doll um, first appearance of Gambit on this cover. Yeah, so he's even uh, he's even drawn by Jim Lee, I believe, in the bubble up top. Oh, probably. No, no credits in the bubble, but but yeah, probably. Is so is Gambit a Jim Lee creation? I don't know, but in the back of this epic collection, there are character designs by Jim Lee of let's let's see Gambit, obviously. And he he goes through several different uh, variations of the costume. So I have to assume that this costume design is a Jim Lee uh, original. Sure. The face pretty much stays the same um, with some variations. And then there's also drawings for Mandarin, Lady Mandarin, Guido, Young Storm, Psylocke. Um, so that may mean that he had a hand kind of redefining all of those characters. There's also a Professor X one, which is pretty nice. I don't have that epic collection, so I don't see any of those images, but... Oh, man, you're missing out. <laughs> I believe These are it. life-changing images. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this uh, the cover is classic, of course. Um, the head of Gambit, I think, is, is probably the best, uh, as well as mm-hmm. the trench coat. I think it's, it's a pretty solid trench coat. I would all ag- of Storm is very good. Yeah, I I guess I can agree with that. She doesn't have much color to her, which would probably be my biggest complaint. Um, But from a perspective and and kind of a dynamics of the pose that she's in, it all makes clear sense. But actually, you know, the the more I look at these, it, it almost looks like they're not in the same plane of existence. <laughs> yeah, there's a weird layering thing going on here with gambit gambit's hand and gambit's arm and storm it it feels like they drew two different things and then kind of merged them all together it's kind of like a collage this this feels like a photoshop thing where he just had different pieces and connected them it's weird it kind of feels like that yet they're they're both standing on like the side of this this embankment and the embankment is is pretty much a, a solid pitch so uh makes me think that that the whole thing was sketched out in one piece of paper, but it definitely looks like there was some Photoshop layering stuff going on. Uh, as you said, um, maybe 
Andy Kubert, at the time that he drew this, had like he was like, it's a new character named Gambit and Storm, and he was like, well, I guess I'll get started on the Storm. Mm. Do, 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 do. And then Jimney notoriously late on deadlines at the like last minute was like, oh, here's Gambit, by the way. <laughs> and uh, Andy Kubert was like, thanks, man. And just tried to like wing it together as quickly as possible. Sure. That could very he, well. He already had that back arm in place. So he tried to make that work. The trench coat, he knew that was going to be there. So that was there. Just kind of fit Gambit into it. Is there a world in which Storm's hand is actually Gambit's hand and Which arm? One? Yeah, I suppose that's a kind of a possibility. It's sort of an optical illusion now that you mention it. It is. Like if you just kind of put your fingers over Storm's face and body but leave the arm exposed, yeah, it kind of works. Like it's kind of reaching out around to get to that vine. Uh, but but the the biggest thing that that comes to my mind is is Gambit's body uh, is all is all squashed in the middle, uh, and and there's definitely like a, a shading maybe and a perspective uh, issue to Gambit's body. But yeah. anyways, uh, this was one of the issues that that I I owned in my collection that I later on found I was like, hey, this is actually worth a couple bucks. I don't know what it's worth today. It's probably worth less than it was a bunch of years ago. I can look that up. Ooh, wow. Maybe I can't since I'm on. Ugh, never mess with your computer. Are you going to the what was it? The Overstreet Comic Books Guide? No. Um. Here's a like I I do I I subscribe. There's like a lifetime subscription to this comics price guide. Oh. That I think it was like thirty bucks or something, and you just get updated, uh, comics uh, price guides forever. So I figured that was worth it. What is, oh, fair market value. So this says, and I, I have no idea. Oh my, this might actually be worth a couple bucks. I should get my comic graded. Good Lord. A nine what point. What is this? 266? 266. According to gocollect.com. So we can, we can do a comparison between uh, whatever it is you said you had in this. I'm using zapkapowcomics.com. This one says grade 9.8, fair market value is $475. It also says the last sale, and I don't know how it would know this, but the last sale was November 2020. And to get more information, you have to create an account and log in, and I'm not going to do that. So according to this, a near mint copy will get you about 120 bucks. What do you think 9.8, or what do you think that near mint is on the 0 to 10 scale? According to this, it's 9.4. Okay, so a 9.4 on this site says the fair market value is $160. The very fine, um, well, the, uh, another thing about this is this gets updated every month. So I don't know if what you're looking at is re- a recent. It says update? last sale, November 2020. That's, that's, oh, wow. that's this month. So somebody either overpaid for it <laughs> or, uh, or it's just risen in value. Uh, very fine, 8.0 is worth $84, and a fine coming in at the 6.0 is even worth $36. Okay, that's where the Past scales kind of... Yeah, t- it starts t- to go down. Even a good um, value, which was a 2.0, is worth 12 bucks. so that's not bad. So this says a 6.0 is $95, which is a lot more than your $36. Your yeah. very fine, was that an 8.0 or a 7.5? That was an eight zero, and it was eighty four dollars. Don't have a seven 
8.5. Actually, I, I'm, yeah, I do. That's a very fine. That's $72. The 8.0 on this website is $100. So this is a little overinflated. Um, well, if it's based on what was recently sold, then maybe not. I don't know. The the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven entries, so 9.8, 0.6, 0.4, 0.2, 0, and 5, all say that they had 25 sales. I find that hard to believe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then when you get to 7.5, then you have eight sales, 7.06 sales. So who knows? And if uh, you're selling it on eBay, that's like a whole different beast. It all depends on like who you can get to see it and what those who like what type of buyers those are. There's algorithms about what you name your whatever item is for sale to uh, get more eyes on it. Yeah. All right. So let's just do the quick, uh, uh, let's see, not what it's listed for, but sold listings on eBay. Remember, people, folks on eBay can ask for whatever they want. Doesn't mean it's worth that. You have to look at what it was sold for to gauge value. Um, so I am seeing November 27th, an issue sold for 73 bucks. Picture, can't really tell like what quality it is. And even if I could tell, I, I wouldn't know what the scale is. Well, you can actually, uh, are you on eBay now? I am. eBay, uh, Uncanny X-Men 266, and then do 9.8 CGC. 9.8. That'll at least get you a... Uh, a CGC slabbed value of what somebody paid for it. Uh, well, this one says sixty-one dollars. That feels low for a nine point eight. Uh, it it said. Oh wait, it says facsimile edition. I, that, oh, that sounds okay. like fake edition. Yeah, that's something that came out this year, I think. Oh, that's X also on here. X Men Annual Number Fourteen cameo by Gambit. Have we got? We haven't read this one. This is Days of Future Present or something like that. Yeah, that hasn't come yet. Which it might have it might have been published first, but it, yeah. you know, chronologically speaking, it hasn't happened yet. Okay, here's a nine point eight for five hundred dollars. Uh, another nine point eight for five hundred and ten dollars. Another one that had an offer, but it was listed at five hundred eight. I would guess that they got talked down to what four eighty five, maybe. That's not bad. I mean, sure. if you're if you're in the market to get your thing, your uh, comic slabbed, and uh, you get something up there, then yeah, you, you're gonna get these prices. Yeah, it kind of makes me want to take a look at the quality of mine. Um, I suspect it's probably not close to a nine point eight because I I read it. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like the moment you open that, well, the moment that that book is put on the shelf, it probably comes down to a nine point five. Um, but I I could be wrong. This has been uh, auction speculation. <laughs> how much? Jeremy. How much is? Do you have this issue? No, no, oh. no. Uh, the first X Men issue I have is like, uh, it's. I think it's Extinction Agenda. The first Extinction Agenda issue. Mm. I should double. I should probably double check to to make sure I'm not just blowing smoke. But I feel like I have everything from issue 200 to 300, the full hundred issues, and then a, a whole bunch before 200, and, and handfuls after 300. You should get some Mylar packaging for some of those just to make sure that they are pristine. Well, they're all like, you mean like the hard Mylar? Because they're all bagged and boarded. Yeah, the hard the hard Mylar that will keep it from moving. I Things have... that I think are valuable, I have a couple of Mylars for. Yeah, the thing I'd never liked about those hard Mylars is it left too much of a gap on the top open. So then I was like, well, I got to bag it, then I got to put it in Mylar. 
<laughs> that was just a just a me thing. I think I have a couple of those thick mylar bags, uh, and I probably have them on things that are important to me that aren't valuable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I had my Gru number one uh, in a mylar bag for a very long time, and I finally just sucked it up and got it CGC'd. What what did was what a, was the CGC on it? Uh, a nine point four or nine point six. It's around here somewhere. How do you how do you mail that in without it getting well, ru- ruined? I didn't. Um, oh. I at my local Comic Con here in Buffalo, the CGC came, and they didn't do it at the time. I wish I had waited a year, but at the time they took it off my hands in its mylar bag, and they you know put it very carefully in their things, and. Um, Nowadays they'll they'll well nowadays now we're in a pandemic so there is no <laughs> Buffalo Comic Con but uh, last year in 2019 CGC will grade it on the spot oh. so and that is uh, I wish I had done that because I feel like I feel like it was better than what got sent back you mean which it was is weird maybe damaged a little in shipping Not yeah damage is like too strong I, but I feel like there was a tiny and this is obsession we're talking about, but there's a tiny crease on the, on the, uh, the, the spine that I don't remember being there, but I feel like a crease on the spine would also bring it down to way below a 9.6. So I'm wondering, it's just like an optical illusion. Who knows? Who knows? How much is that CGC graded grew worth? Uh, geez, I don't know. You're on eBay still, right? Oh, uh, n- no. No. Right. But I can I'll get there. there. I can get there quick. eBay. Rue one. Nine point. Let's say it's a 9.4. Um, CGC. There's uh, um, one. No, that's not it. 55 bucks. Uh, oh, no, best that's, offer. That's the wrong one. Uh, 40 bucks. That's oh, the one I have. Okay. The, the original one, not the Marvel one. Oh, how much is it, did it cost you to get it CGC'd? Probably not 40 bucks, but probably 20 to 30. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I had no intentions whatsoever of selling it. Oh, sure. Of so, course. I mean, so for me, like you with your, your stuff that you have in Mylar bags, it's just about owning this nice little piece of nostalgia for me that is is it's pristine and looks very nice i'm happy with it so you let's say you have a cgc copy of a comic book and mm-hmm. uh somehow a like a, a pinhole uh tear or whatever occurs in the packaging and it's in your basement your basement's damp and it, it gets some some vapor damage to it that's kind of visible on the cover how the, is that the, i don't think sort... that's possible because the pinhole damage you're talking about would have to be like a crack in the case the case is pretty industrial okay um yeah i don't i i don't i can't imagine how a pinhole problem would happen okay but you, you know i'm not saying it's not possible um I suppose if it did happen and you did get some sort of like basement gases uh, <laughs> affecting it the way that it would affect a normal comic book, then yeah, it would be valueless. Interesting. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll dig out that two sixty six and maybe 
Maybe we'll. I kind of wish that I had documented the process of getting my comic CG seed. So maybe that's something we could do is like uh, a, uh, a, a like a video series that oh, we do sure. YouTube for Danger Room. We could do like Jeremy CGC's X Men number whatever, and it can it doesn't have to be like a valuable one. If you, yeah. could, if, if you could find like a crappy copy of like, uh, you know, something for sale that you could buy at a comic store that's like X-Men 98, but it's like clearly like a one or something like that. So you can get it for like maybe 50 bucks. Get that CG seed, get your 1.5 value <laughs> and then turn it around and sell it on eBay and see if you can actually make any money off of it. I have a copy of X-Men, the last regular x-men issue before they went to the reprints and before giant size the one that has the hulk okay i don't remember what issue number it is it's like 64 yeah or something like that five or six uh it's horrible condition uh that would definitely be like i mean like the staples are there like everything's held together it's not like the cover's falling apart and it's not like big chunks of the cover are missing but it's it's definitely a a issue of a comic book that uh it was read and and has been through some stuff um that would be a fun one to get cg seed i think i paid like 10 bucks for it it was more like you know what i don't have i don't have a copy of any of the original x-men comics and this one's pretty inexpensive i'm gonna buy it so, but I, I imagine it would be CGC really low. And then yeah. I almost wonder like if you would go through that process, if they would email you or call you and be like, um, are you sure? But they say that the CG, the CGCing of it increases the value. And I'm sure there's, there's, I'm, I wonder what that line is where a comic is so low and new enough that it doesn't increase the value. Because, like, if it's new and high, it increases the value. And if it's old and low, it increases the value. So somewhere there has to be, like, between the old and and new and, and high and low, there is a line where CGC is no longer worth it. Yeah. I don't know. I would imagine that CGCing any comic book would raise the value because whoever buys it doesn't have to CGC it. You know, it may true. not be worth, let's just say it costs $20 to get it CGC'd. It probably isn't going to be worth $20 more, but it might be worth $5 more. Well, I mean, you would at least charge the price of the CGC, right? Well, you could charge whatever you want. Doesn't mean anybody's going to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have a, uh, have a torn to tatters copy of G.I. Joe number 46, I think it is, oh. that I read and reread and reread. It'd probably be like a 0.5. I kind of, I kind of want to get that CGC, but at first I would want to get it signed by Larry Hammer. I went through a phase where I cut all the UPCs out of my comics. Oh dear! <laughs> so, and I'm sure I, and, and mostly like GI Joes and Transformers and and other Star comics. I will bet you I have at least one of those comics left with a cutout GP or UPC. Get that one CGC'd. <laughs> just missing the barcode i don't know why i went through the phase of like oh it's a barcode i gotta cut it out and then i saved them i thought you were gonna mail it in because cereal boxes used to do that where you would collect the upc codes and you would send them in and you would get free stuff i don't know if that was my plan i don't know what i was thinking somehow in my mind i was like this upc is important so i gotta cut it out and save it 
I wish I still had them. Can you imagine if I pulled out like a big wad of UPCs from comic books from my childhood? <laughs> I was like, I kept these for 40 years. That would be awesome. And then I taped them back into the comic <laughs> just to make it full circle. So according to the internet, the, the, the line where CGC becomes sketchy is 1975. Hmm. If you have a comic that is pre-1975, it's probably going to go up. Hmm. If, if it, only if it's like a 9.6 or a 9.8. I don't know. This isn't really quite clear. It's a big risk for comics from this era if you don't get a CGC grading of 9.6 or 9.8. If you have a pre-1975, search our price guide. So I don't know. It, the risk is probably that you might have a comic book that's worth $70. And if you CGC it, it's now worth $75. Right. Right. Instead of like it's, CG, it's 70 bear, 90, 100 with the CGC. That's probably the risk. So your return on investment for the CGC is just not there if you're a dealer, I guess. Right. Wow. So, yeah, let's uh, – Let's talk about Gambit out of the frying pan, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, this one's written by Chris Claremont. It's penciled by Mike Collins, inked by Joseph Rubenstein. Um, Brasseau and Orzakowski are the letterers. Don't know who Brasseau is. Brad Venkata is the colorist. So it's a real fill-in issue. Even though it's like Gambit's first appearance, there's all of these fill-in people. Uh, Bob Harris is the editor and Tom DeFalco is the editor in chief. So they, they must have like, I'm I'm guessing like Jim Lee and Chris Claremont or however it worked, had this whole gambit thing cooked up. Like we're going to bring gambit in. He's going to have bangs and he's going to be cool and and he's going to be the next thing. And it's all going to happen right around issue number 266. And uh, as they got to this point, Jim Lee's like, Oh, busy. (laughs) Totally doing Punisher War Journal right now. <laughs> I can't be bothered to do Uncanny. Punisher's really hot right now. Can't get away. And But it almost begs, like, why didn't they just do a... Well, I suppose this is taking uh, place directly after the events of 265. But it almost begs the question, like, why didn't they just do, like, some weird Australian filler issue? Like... Chris Claremont said no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't do that. I don't. I don't... We don't do that here. That's well, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did definitely do fill-in issues, but it's it's very rare that I think that Chris Claremont is like, you know, some of the Excalibur stuff where they're like, well, even though we're in the midst of the cross-time caper, here's a story that took place before. Or like this issue's New Mutants, or this this episode's New Mutants that it, we'll cover later. It was not written by Chris Claremont. So I don't think Chris Claremont does like, ooh, let's do a back-in-time interlude, unless it's an annual yeah. Well, he usually does write the the annuals, although, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So, anyways, uh, there are some hounds here that the Shadow King created out of the the rich people that how that whose house Storm is, is trying to steal from. And they're Yeah, he kind of talks about how he creates these hellhounds later in the issue which we'll we'll cover. I have to wonder if the 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 fact that these guys these hellhounds kind of look like uh, Rachel's hellhounds uh, or Rachel Days of Future Past hellhounds um, if that is on purpose like are they kind of is the implication that the Shadow King has something to do with Days of Future Past mm-hmm. or do you think that's just 
they just had. I mean, the the designs are clearly similar to Hellhounds. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, would you would you disagree with that? No, uh, I mean they've got claws, so that's a little bit different. Uh, but yeah, they're they're skin tight suits with spikes, which is exactly Rachel's Days of Future Past um, hound costume. The only thing missing is the collar. Yeah, I feel like Mike Collins, or or I guess whoever drew last issue because it wasn't Mike last Collins. Last issue was Bill Jaska. Bill Jaska maybe was like, ooh, spiky, skin tight suits. But I think spikes were on the menu as far as like when he was ordered what to do because uh, Storm refers to the spikes in this issue. But maybe she does, that, yeah. That came after. Well, well I don't Mar- know. I don't know how how soon the writing is before the the drawing. Marvel method, right? So maybe all this was drawn yeah. and Chris Claremont came back around. He's like, oh, these look like hellhounds. All right, well, we just <laughs> have to deal with it. Let's put in this dialogue. I feel like it's a coincidence, but uh, maybe. When Jim Lee takes over next issue, they do start to look a little less like hellhounds. So, I don't know. Take take it with what you will. Yeah. Uh, yep. So, they're, uh, they're trying to get Storm. And uh, Storm's trying to get away, as she does. By all means, resist. I enjoy a good show. It will change nothing. By the way, I'm the Shadow King. You belong to me. Uh, interesting that the Shadow King and crew, well, not the Hellhounds because they're stupid, but <laughs> nobody ever says, hey, how'd you get to be young? It's pretty weird, huh? Does your Shadow King know? I feel like the Shadow King says something maybe in monologue later. He addresses it, but not directly to okay. Storm, I, d- I don't think. I feel like that is a thing you need to address. I've been hunting you for a very long time. Oh, you're a kid now. That's weird. Weird. <laughs> Do you know why you're a kid? Um, anyway, so um, she uses her powers, her lightning powers, to blind uh, some of the hellhounds. She escapes into a bathroom. Uh, it's, a but, pretty, it's a pretty cool action sequence, but I feel like the coloring of it really makes it kind of bland. Everything is blue except for some highlight things that will get smashed later. <laughs> um, but it's really hard to follow. But the dialogue kind of carries you through where she she runs into the room and then she grabs a towel and she throws it into the bath and smacks one of the hounds with the wet towel and they slip on the ground, which is wet, and then drive themselves into the sink when she jumps over them and grabs the shower hose and sprays it at the female hound and she slips and falls that's when she gets uh, stabbed by one of the spikes of a hound and uh, she hurls him towards the door as the Shadow King is entering and she manages to get them to collide and jumps over them. It's cool, but it could have been better serviced by the art. Yeah. I, I, like, I'm imagining this better than it looks. Yep. There's a lot of fun things that happen, but it's just sort of blah. Yep. <laughs> I, I'll agree with this. It probably would have looked a lot better uh, if Jim Lee would have drawn it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jim Lee is very dynamic. I mean, maybe, maybe Chris Claremont is writing for dynamic action style mm-hmm. paneling. And uh, who's this guy? Uh, Mike Collins, who I'm sure is is. I mean, th- this art is fine. There's there's nothing. It's not some of the, some of it gets a little iffy, but for the most part, this is what I would. This is comic book art. I don't have a problem with it. Um, so before you write in to tell us about how awesome Mike Collins is, 
Mike Collins does not draw a good X-Men comic. He might draw a good whatever his normal comic is. Yeah. I, I feel comfortable in saying that. I'm good with that. Yeah. Um, and the panel layout is very standard, right? Uh, next yeah. issue, I, I kind of looked ahead. Next issue is like, I'm Jim Lee and everything's two-page dynamic spreads of panels right. all over that's, the place. That's, that's part of the reason that Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld and McFarlane were so revolutionary is because they totally spiced up the panel layouts. Yep. So, I mean, it's not just it's not just the artwork, which you can take or leave depending on whether or not you like it. It's also the whole design of the, the layouts. Yep, the whole flow. And the panel layouts can lead to boringness like this kind of does or it can intensify the action just like a good soundtrack to a movie yeah, yeah. and the coloring of this doesn't help where it's all very very one toned yeah everything seems to be in the background so shadow king has had enough of this uh isn't fun anymore kiddo you lose and so he uses his telepathic powers to to grab her i guess and she resists and uses her lightning powers to blast him in the face. And then she jumps out the window, but her powers fail her and she lands into, I don't know if it's supposed to be green, but it looks like a sludgy pool. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm guessing it's like a coloring it's... issue and it's really just like a nice blue um, pool. But Probably. Part of it is because it's surrounded by greenery, which with the colors they use make it look sort of moldy. Yeah, it looks like toxic sludge. I expect so the, the bad guy from RoboCop to get out and be like, help <laughs> me, and then get smashed all over the windshield. Um, so Shadow King uses, like, his his hand sort of extends out of his hand with some sort of electricity sort of thing, which then grabs uh, Storm by the head. It's kind of neat, but is this, like... We see some things that I feel like don't carry over through later appearances of Shadow King and Gambit. Um, oh, it's uh, I don't know. Do you do you know? I don't. I feel like uh, Shadow King in this issue is using powers that service the plot. Yeah, I feel like with Gambit, we should talk about it as we see his powers. I feel like they don't quite know what his powers are yet. So she's on the floor. Uh, well, she's at the bottom of the pool trying to get out, and she hears a scuff, scoff, scoff, scuff, scoff. And it's the footprint, the, the footsteps of somebody walking towards her. She says, someone coming. Is it him? And then we cut away to where it's clearly not him because this is the Shadow King. And his Leon, uh, the woman that he has made a slave of, is making fun of him because that's what she's been design, designed to do. Uh, he does say, let's see, where did he say? This was, I thought this was interesting, so I want to. I want to talk about it. When I summoned forth the shadow of their souls, that's what made them into hounds. And for the woman, Leon, um, when you pulled the beast from their souls, you tapped the wicked in mine. Can't hurt me any worse than that. Besides tempting fate, it's, with you is fun. So it's kind of an interesting tweak on the Shadow King's powers. He... He manipulates people, but he also turns them into the essence of the shadows of their souls or something like that. I don't know. I feel like this is all being written just to service, like you said, the plot. <laughs> yeah, a lot of this I, I, I did kind of glaze over because I didn't care. He's the Shadow King, so I'm going to rope some mentions of shadows into here, which sure. I thought was actually cool. I mean, I like the idea of the 
the essence of the shadows of your soul. I don't know if it means anything, but it's cool. He is all wounded and, and stuff, but he's able to heal himself. Yeah, so he can heal himself, but he can't heal his clothes. Mm, he does mention that. A shame, my mutant powers. I can't restore my clothes. So his mutant powers right now are elongated electrical mental, or, or hands, rather, because they don't come out of his head, uh, and the ability to heal himself. Um, I think he can possess people. He can possess people, bring out the shadows, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so those, and I think he does that with the hand thing. Sure. Uh, yes. <laughs> he says later, uh, interesting. My telepathy seems unable to lock onto her psyche, so he's also got telepathy. Um, some form of mental interference won't save her from my hounds. So, is that mental interference? Is that like the siege perilous Roma thing, or? Is this a power that Gambit has but will lose? Because uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. It, it, did he was he able to lock onto her before uh, in last issue, or is it, or is this the first time he's trying to? I don't um, know. I, I feel like he's only here because he set the trap. He knows that Storm is is breaking into the rich and bringing them back to the poor and. I think the last issue, it was like, this is the last house in town that's got stolen goods. So she's bound to come here or something is like that. Is he referring to the, the fact that his hand, uh, when it grabbed her by the head, he wasn't able... Because I think he's actually referencing that. My telepathy seems unable to unlock her psyche. To lock onto her psyche. Like, I can't um, find her with my telepathy. I don't know. No, maybe. I, I, I think he's referring to that four panels where the hand grabs her by the head and she says, you're no match for me, girl. All you're doing is causing yourself needless agony. Give it up. And she is never. And that's when she zaps him as lightning. So I'm going to go with she's he's referring to that. Sure. I kind of read that. Uh, and you could be right. But I kind of read that as the, uh, oh, I'm, uh, you got me, but I'll never give up. And I'm going to give yeah. it my all to push you away. Never is how I took it. But uh, it probably doesn't matter. To be fair, I also, uh, upon first read, took it that way, and I also took this telepathy thing to look like he's he's mentally searching around for her in the 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 house, and he can't find her because then he does say some form of mental interference won't save her though from my hounds. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with the siege perilous because, like you said, this is not a it's not a gamut thing that we're familiar with, right? Uh, meanwhile, elsewhere, and far too close for comfort, uh, Nanny and Orphan Maker are back. Uh, Orphan Maker was supposed to be manning the controls to find Storm, but he was busy doing other things. Is he reading a Playboy? Oh, no, it's a gun. Okay. He's he's cocking a gun. I thought <laughs> yes. for a second he had, like, the centerfold <laughs> of, a, of a magazine stretched out, which was kind of funny, but also really weird. <laughs> Uh, and so they find Storm. Um, Must I do everything? I thought you were responsible, Peter, that I could trust you with really important tasks. It's your fault. Ever since you found Storm, things started going bad. I, You can. Yeah, I don't know what that I, you can means. Uh, can, that she, I, I, you can trust me, sort of. Oh, thing. I see. I, you can, yeah. Too late, Mistake. the pattern's gone. Uh, but that other alongside hers, merciful heavens, no, it can't be a mutant signature I haven't seen for years and prayed never to see again, thought, hoped, 
prayed he was dead. More fool I. How can the devil incarnate die? So is he referring to the Shadow King or is he referring to Gambit? He's referring she, to the rather. Shadow King. Okay. She's referring to the Shadow King, I think, um, because she refers to him as the, the clutches of that monster. Um, this is very Star Wars. A mutant sickness <laughs> I haven't seen for years. <laughs> I don't know, because I feel like from where we left off, she had just gotten away from the Shadow King and the Kef, 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 the, the footsteps uh, are gambits, we'll find out. I feel like she's like referring to Gambit. Okay, maybe. I could be wrong. I, I, uh... Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they kind of leave it open. So it would be an interesting twist if the monster does turn out to be him. I mean, at this point, we don't even know who he is. So, well, I mean, from Nanny's perspective, um, although the the, the next page, she does say even the, the Shadow King is the most awful and absolute evil. If he gets his hands on Storm or you for that matter, and then he projects a hound version of Storm mm. that she has attack Peter. Um, yeah. Okay. You're right. So. So, yeah. All right, fine. There was a reason I thought that. If you're lucky, Peter, the Shadow King's Hound will kill you uh, when they catch you. And he's on the ground, and he sees this hologram coming after him, and uh, he he punches it. Yeah. Get her off me, you silly. There's a, a weird, like, um, d- dialogue bubble here where two bubbles are connected to Nanny, and then on the same panel there's another dialogue bubble pointing to the nanny on that panel. I thought that was weird. Yeah, I guess it's, I don't know. Because it, um, it could have been, like, those two bubbles could be linked like the next bubble is. Um, it doesn't matter all that much, but it did make me second guess, like, wait, who's talking at the top part? <laughs> well, it can't well, be Peter. I, I feel like stop being such a silly is a response to she's got claws, get her off me. Um so maybe you're supposed to read the uh, top two bubbles and mm. then switch over to Peter's and then read the, the separate bubble. That but, makes sense. Know. But that's not usually how comics work. No. So Unless they separate the bubble. I don't know. There's there's rules. And so who knows? I, I, like, I, it, I, I agree with you. I read it the same way you did. Anyways, um, he, uh, Nanny goes on to say, it's just a hologram. It can't hurt you, but Storm can. That's the future uh, for her and many others unless we save them first. So then we flip back to the mansion where uh, I guess uh, Storm has, has just come out of the pool. She's still wet. Uh, and she, for the first time, sees Gambit. He has not said a word since pulling me from the pool and along with him down to this vault. So they're in a vault now. Who is he? Easier by far to tell what he does here. He's a thief. Um, and here are the paintings that she came to rescue. They were previously stolen. That'll be important later. Um, and, uh, she is, uh, he's totally absorbed in his work. So she's going to get out of there. Yep. But then a hound jumps out. Is me. I want, I want to be, yes, a hound jumps out. And then he's like, uh, do us a favor. Hey, pop, pop, scoot away from the girl. Other ideas, eh? Gonna carry your kidling back to your boss? Claim a pat on Latet and an extra ration of yummies? Figured as much. That's, Can't let you do that. That that's what you're gonna go for with for Gambit. It's a work in progress. Okay. It's 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 uh you know you could go with the traditional like oh Louisiana <laughs> but you know 
Or you could go with the classic Kazar. Oh, oh, ho, ho. <laughs> Did you get to the uh, difference there? Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> I, oh, ho, ho. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I wish I could do a Jean Claude Van Damme impression because that's what I would do for Gambit. I don't even know what Jean Claude Van Damme sounds like. Well, it's, it's, he's French, uh, so he's got like a, a French accent, and his voice, like, it's kind of high. My impression was to get him as far away from what you think of Gambit as possible. So to get get him away from the animated series? Yeah. Hey, Sherry. Oh, mon ami. We're going down yeah. to the bayou. <laughs> yeah, that's fun, but we yeah. could have more fun with it. Yeah. I'm going like for like an anime style character, oh. maybe crossed with a little Bill and Ted. Mm. Then he's got to talk fast. Goes, maybe just straightforward Bill and Ted at some point because there's no way I'm going to be able to keep this up. <laughs> so we get a demonstration of his power set in which green uh, power emanates from his eyes, which casts a green reflection on his face. He pulls out a dart. Meanwhile, it's like a fishing spear, like a fishing. Yeah, like a spear tip. They call it a throwing spike. And then more elect, green electricity comes out of his eyes and, and, and is not casting a reflection on his face. And so now it's flesh colored. And then he pulls that throwing spike behind his back. His face glows green now because there's more power, I guess, coming from his eyes, which travels up his arm, which is behind him. And then he spins around and throws the charged green spike uh, and he's either nauseous or there's still green um, uh, echoing off of his face. And what I have to imagine. What you don't know is that he throws up off panel immediately <laughs> he just after. He throws this. it and he's like, Bleh. And if you look at this panel, he he does look sick. Like if you were to, to cover up that um, that spike he throws, you might think like the Shadow King has cost like or, or cast like a, nause, uh, a nauseating spell against him. Sick or he's like a zombie? A zombie, yeah green zombie i have to we should, we should talk about what gambit looks like he's like a really tall guy in a trench coat he's got a single cigarette he's got in my opinion a stupid outfit um his hair is awesome though he's got a little headband uh his, he's got kind of a cool 90s emo haircut um less leonardo dicaprio uh more hmm, uh, help me out here i don't know this is the hair that that I wanted when I was a kid. Yeah, I just, think everybody wanted this just, hair when they were a kid because it's cool. It's just straight, and it goes exactly where you want it. It's yeah. thick and straight. Uh, you got those long bangs, and it can just kind of like hang over your eyes and create all sorts of dramatic looks and such. I wouldn't say that his intro portrait is all that compelling, though. He looks like a villain. <laughs> um, That's true. And I think we're supposed to think that because he's a thief. Um, he, like you said, he's got the cigarette. I feel like his legs are too long. His shoulders are too broad. His body is too short and his head is too far sunk into his neck. Like he's yeah. got like football shoulder pads on. Well, this is a bad drawing. So, I mean, if you <laughs> if you imagine this as like a better drawing, it, the, the armor, like I've never liked his upper armor. He's no. got like an armor plating that's purple and an upper half, which kind of comes down from his chin. Um, he's got stretch pants um, kind of that I like. 
And then he's got boots that go up to his knees, which I've never been a fan of. And I feel like the combo of the stretch pants and the and the and the metal metallic boots make his legs too long, like you talked about. Um, it's not a it's not a great it's not I don't know the thing about Gambit that's cool is the trench coat and the hair. You're he, like, oh, trench coat and hair. That's cool. Trench coat, hair, headband. I'll get the cigarette. I, I've never really liked the the side um, face covering oh yeah i i I don't even think of that i forgot about that yeah and it's there uh i think you you get rid of that and you keep the headband you keep the hair you keep the trench coat i don't know what you do for the rest of them like i I almost feel like jeans wouldn't work so maybe the the day i don't think it matters because like all you think about when you think of gambit is the trench coat and the hair that's true but i think you know if i was you know, speculating about a, a good costume redesign. I feel like, um, like some brown, like I don't know, for lack of a better word, skater pants. <laughs> so not <laughs> jeans, not corduroys, not not like pleated dress pants, but just some like some some you know solid colored casual pants. And then for a shirt, man, I think you could just go with like a like a gray t shirt. Yeah, he doesn't really need a costume, but I guess it or is a white t shirt maybe. Comic, I don't so. know. The, the costume, it also doesn't really make, and maybe we'll learn more about this through his origin, which I feel like changes kind of uh, decade yeah. by decade. But I, his, it seems weird that he has a superhero costume. Yeah, um, that's true. I mean, the trench coat and the superhero costume kind of clash. Yeah. Which is why I kind of say that the, the, the superhero costume doesn't matter so much. To, if to see him out without the trench coat, I think it would be awful, and he probably wouldn't have uh, lasted as long. Or maybe he would have. I mean, I, I like the character almost right away, and I don't know if it's because of the design. I mean, it feels like, and we'll get to that going forward, but it feels like Chris Claremont really fleshed him out before he put him to page. Do you, well, yeah, I'm sure. Do you like him as he's introduced and portrayed in this issue or do you like him because you know what you've read after this issue i like him well well both i'm <laughs> i am purposely trying to disassociate like what i when i think of gambit i think of x-men number four where they play that basketball game yeah and it's cool <laughs> that's my idea of cool okay. um this i'm trying to just kind of approach this as though this is the first time I'm seeing somebody um, I did skip ahead to the next issue a little bit just to see what he looked like with Jim Lee so I guess I have that a little bit that I'm kind of contextualizing this with but uh, for the most part uh, visually like I said it's all about the hair and the trench coat Mm -hmm. and the dialogue uh, that he hasn't really said a lot but he'll say a lot more later and it is very I feel like it's distinct Sure. And I like that. It's it's well, it feels well crafted. Well, uh, he, because of the explosion he creates, uh, Storm goes flying towards her uh, and, and he debates for a moment like, oh, should I save you or should I save the paintings? Well, we're thieves. We stick together. Eh, see, I'm falling into the cliche, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, and they leave. Uh, well, they leave, but then uh, Leanne shows up uh, immediately. I guess they go upstairs because he decides, I'm not going to, like you said, uh, I'm not going to steal the paintings. I'm going to take Storm. 
And then they go upstairs, and Leanne's waiting for their with the two hounds, and that's when he starts talking. Right you are, Sherry. Just a wandering walking stiff is all, same as any other. Plying my trade, hustling up the big score. Don't need to be told, just stepped way out of my league. No prob, no offense. Anyway, he talks for a really long time, and uh, Storm kind of is like, he talks and talks, and they listen almost as though they cannot help themselves as he binds with the as he binds them with the web of his words, even the hounds are charmed. And I don't know if this is a part of the gambit that lasts, but I like it. I yeah, I don't I don't really remember. Um, I feel like this is to a degree out of character. Like I know that he talks a lot because that's a a, a cliche that they um, play up in X Men the animated series. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing they take that directly out of the comic. Um, but like his goofy grin here and no prob. No offense. Well, he's, be, he's trying to be a charmer. Sure, but those are things that I feel like you you would you hear would say later. Yeah, you would hear Jubilee say. Those... I feel like as they go, they they try to make Gambit more of a man of mystery. Yes, and so they 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 step him away from this. But but I I don't know. I like this kind of. I I feel like he, he like you said he would be a charmer and he would be like it's not a problem, Sherry. Uh, you and me we sit down we have a conversation we talk about this like adults. You're really not going to get on board with this, are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, try it out. It's fun. Uh, or if you if you can't do it, just go with your best Bill and Ted. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I'll have to wait for a, a dialogue box to come up, uh, because now he's he's kind of talking off panel. Um, the Shadow King's like, "Oh, that guy can talk a lot. Uh, let me zap him." And he does. Very snappy batter, my young friend. I dare say, I'll give a decent opportunity. You might even seduce me. And then he blasts him with his patented head blast. No hand this time. Now he's just blasting people with basically psychic lightning bolts, if you will. Storm, Storm attempts to fire a lightning bolt at him. And uh, for a second, the Shadow King is scared. And he even shouts, no. But once again, Storm cannot control her powers. Nothing happened. Stupid, stupid power always quitting on me when I needed most. And then he uses his powers to blast her in the head. But by this time, Gambit has come back around. So he grabs a plate, uses his green eye charging power to charge up the plate and then throws the plate at the Shadow King. And so says, I feel like the concept is there. It's just it's different than like like that is Gambit's power. He charges things up and then tosses them and they explode. That's what it's always been, right? So then he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, kinetic charging or something like that. It goes to playing cards because playing cards are cool, but he can kinetically charge anything. Right. Jim Lee tapped into something cool in the next issue where yes. he's like, ooh, playing cards. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing playing cards around is cool for some reason. And it is. And it is. It's super cool. <laughs> in fact, uh, tell me that after you read some Gambit issues, you didn't get a deck of cards out and be like, I wonder if I can throw these. And then they just kind of like fell to the ground. You're like, I can't. But press practice. I can get these to stick in the wall. And then yeah. I'll be like, Gambit. And I'll get a trench coat. And then all the girls will like me. I don't think I ever tried to throw them, but I definitely posed with like, you know, <laughs> holding holding some playing cards. Oh heck yeah, you got to. Uh, he says, "Let me see." Whoa, whoa, uh, Ted, we are about to embark on an excellent adventure. Her, her, I'm trying to. Which ones? Which ones? Uh, 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 Winters, uh, Alex Winters. Is he Bill he's, or Ted? I think he's Bill. <laughs> and he has kind of a, a higher pitched voice. 
and, and more excitable. Her diversion saved me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only fitting I return the favor. Hmm. It's a work in progress. Mine's yeah. a work in progress too. So, you know, we'll just keep, keep rolling to it until you land on something. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I miss long shot. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Who doesn't like doing a good elf impression? <laughs> well, anyways, uh, they, uh, they come down, they capture um, Gambit, the, the hellhounds, that girl and the shadow King. Yeah. His plate diversion only served to bring the shadow king down to the floor and now uh now storm once again has to rescue gambit uh which she does by blowing some smoke uh well some wind through the chimney which puts smoke into the room and then she manages to steal away gambit and here's a decent shot of Gambit where she's running off with him. And it, he, like the colors are nice. I, li- I like the brown and purple and all of it together. Yes. It's, yeah. It, it, but yeah, without that trench coat, no. Just yeah. No. Yes. Uh, this is a dynamic running uh, uh, shot of long shot or long shot of Gambit. And <laughs> it's even in the distance or it's a small panel. So it's not very well detailed, but, but like the dynamics there are there and his kind yeah. of waving trench coat. So all of the right ingredient and his hair to a degree is also kind of like wisped up in that direction. And so, uh, yeah, that's definitely, we'll see a lot more of that. <laughs> this is getting to be a habit. I've lost track. Sherry, <laughs> who rescues whom next? <laughs> or, or do you go with, um, just like a really bad actor who every now and then kind of gets a little Cajun in there, but for the most part just sounds like an American. I think that's just what we do for every other accent. (laughs) This is getting to be a habit. I've lost track. Who rescues (laughs) whom next? Yeah. Then he says, time enough to reach my car, maybe? (laughs) This is is weird. Gambit has a car? (laughs) What kind of car? So many questions. Like, like, does he have a driver's license? Uh, does it you say ever see this car again? Does it say Gambit on his driver's <laughs> license? Does he have some other name that we don't know about? What kind does of car does he drive? Plates that say Gambit. Yeah, right. Is it a stolen car? Is it his car? Is it his parents' car? Is it a used car? Is it a new car? Did he rent it? So many questions. And then you're like, I want to see the issue where Gambit's driving around in a car, <laughs> <laughs> because for some reason that that caught me off guard too. I was like, well, that's ridiculous, Gambit. Gambit don't drive a car. <laughs> uh, Gambit Gambit runs to where he needs to go. So. Sayonara, suckers. He throws another fish spike out to make their escape. Uh, they run up to the roof, and then we get into the silliest scene in the comic book where he stops to call the phone. 911, hello, police. Remember that big Boston museum heist? I know where you can find the loot. And if I'm like... The nine one one person. I'm like, wait, what, <laughs> <laughs> sir? Did you, just, did you just call me police, sir? This is for emergencies only. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to clear this line for real emergencies. Do I remember that big Boston museum heist? What? When was this? <laughs> Who is this? We're not in Boston. I'm gonna need you to stay on the line. <laughs> the police are being dispatched to your location. 
uh, on the previous page, we we get uh, Gambit referring to Storm as Stormy for the first time. I think that's a thing that sticks for a little while anyways. Oh, yeah. And she says, do not call me that, please. Yeah. And he's like, you talk weird for a young person. You know, Sherry. <laughs> I'm losing it. <laughs> I'm, I'm completely lost whatever I had to begin with. <laughs> if we can't steal the real stuff, least we can do is make sure this lob who stole them in the first place never gives a chance to enjoy them. No, I don't know where that was. That yeah, sounds like Sabalba from, uh, or no, what was that? A uh, Watto from The Watto. Phantom Menace, or or a Gambit who's just been smoking a lot <laughs> for a long time. Well, Storm says, "Hold on to me for dear life." Uh, ejects a parachute, and Gambit's like, "Oh, that's not going to help us very much." <laughs> and uh, that's when she's able to conjure up some wind, which picks up the parachute and the idea. Which is cool. Yeah, that's comes, a, that's, a, comes that's an awesome use of her power. And so they go flying with his parachute, uh, and they end up in the airplane junkyard. Yeah. Uh, so we never get to see Gambit's car. No. So sad. And Saw Gambit's cop not- car is coming as we lift it off. Wind's dying. We're floating down just like a shoot's supposed to. So I figure it's okay to chat, yeah? TV trucks too, Sherry. Should it be a, quite a media circus? Shame to miss it. Keep the bad guys off our trail for the immediate... Nice neighborhood. This where you call home, Stormy? Fantasy talk. Hmm. And he's not even upset about his car. He's just on to the next thing. I think you're right. It's a rental. (laughs) Or stolen. Uh, Storm gets hung up in some wings, and so Gambit gets her out. I need no help, especially from the likes of you. And she does like a backflip, and she's like, back off, man. Yep. Uh... Yeah, she said. He says, "I could feel the strain. Thought I'd give you a, a hand down." He lights up a cigarette, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Fresh start. Yeah, suits me. Trouble is, I get the feeling it won't be quite so easy to walk away clean from this caper as you make out. So now it sounds like you're doing like a a, a bad cartoon adaptation of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm absolutely doing something terrible. I don't know what it is. Whoa, pizza. Dude. <laughs> um, yeah, she goes on to say the evil one uh, neither forgets nor forgi- uh, forgives. Gambit's like, oh, evil one. Sounds a bit ripe. He have a name. And then they talk about the Shadow King. Most often calling himself the Shadow King. To me, though, evil one is what fits him best. He makes slaves of people, enchanting their minds and souls. Dr. Sen is such a one. She was a kind, a decent woman before. He has a special hatred for me. Now he has a sense of where I am. He will move heaven and earth to track me down. Uh, yeah. And if he catches you, then what will he do? Whatever he pleases to me, to all who stand by my side. Somewhere in here there was uh, a comment, I think we missed it, where Shadow King says something about her age, but I don't think it matters. Anyways, the uh, prologue of this issue in Washington, D.C., a slightly seedy house on some federal land uh, uh, right next to Rock Creek Park that serves as headquarters to the government's enhanced power strike team freedom force valerie cooper ends us enters a secure building with her handprint and then we get a cool uh kind of photograph thing that i want to talk about maybe it's just obvious but it's a um kind of a normal looking mystique but she's got like a like a she's got normal clothes on she's got an ascot which is weird so I don't know if that's trying to say, like, this is back in the 30s. 
and she's next to a younger lady. And then in the corner of this picture, you see the reflection of Mystique's current face. Yeah. Um, and then she uh, kind of teleports in, not teleports, she, she, she uh, shapeshifts half of her face into this young lady's face who we've never seen before. Half that face, half uh, Mystique's face. And then the Mystique half turns into old Irene. Then the whole thing turns into Irene. Uh, and this is where I was like, oh, is this kind of the first Mystique is super old and that's a young destiny? Yes. That's cool. I, I think you are correct about that. Because, yeah, the the impression I got is the young woman that she transforms into uh, and then the old woman are both Irene. Yeah. That's cool. And and it really, like, you know, she's like, Irene, giving her the, the nickname. She's... Uh, there's a letter there. It says to be opened mystique in the event of my death destiny. Okay. So like I have, I have something that you need to know. Um, yeah. but she picks up her, her little snifter of, of brandy there. Um, which I, I think this is, I think we know this, right? I think, uh, mystique and destiny are lovers, but due to comics and the eighties and the nineties, Chris Claremont wasn't allowed or able to be like, they loved each other. They were just really, really good friends. Yeah, and this this feels like there's no words here too, which is which is kind of cool. I, I wish the art was just a, a hair better, um, <laughs> but it really does kind of convey that this yeah, it gets the message across. This is a little bit more than just you know uh, a friend mourning another friend. There's there's more going on here, uh, and that's cool. Right on time, Val at precisely as expected says <gasps> Mystique as Valerie enters the room. Gasp. And now, and now Mystique has turned into looks Val like Cooper. Valerie Cooper. She's I'm like, sorry, Mystique, I have to do this. I understand the Shadow King wants me dead. And when he commands, his slaves must obey. And she says, how do you know? And that's, I, I'm assuming she she says, she talks about how Destiny uh, is a precog and knows all sorts of stuff. Um, and I'm assuming that's what the letter says. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, Valerie Cooper's going to come and kill you on this night. Um, she'll have a gun. Here's what, here's what you got to say. <laughs> it's the Shadow King. Look out for the Shadow King. He's coming for you. Probably He's on this out. day. Probably at about this time. Probably going to look like Val Cooper. So tired. <laughs> uh, she willingly chose and embraced her fate. I suppose I can do no less. So she stands up because that knowledge was no bar to her while still alive, foreseeing what lay ahead for those she loved, including the moment, Val Cooper, when you'd come to kill me. Blam goes the gun. She kind of says it right there. Yeah. Ahead for the ones, for those she loved, yes. which, you know. Yeah, but you can love your friend, Adam, doesn't Yeah, mean, I know, I know. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I wish, I wish it had been a little bit more, more, more progressive. Well, I mean, I think it's a progressive as, yes, as it, was safe at the time. It was as progressive as it could be given the time. Yeah. So, uh, there you go. X-Men number 266 uh, is an okay issue. Uh, an okay introduction to Gambit. I'm like I said at the top of the episode. I, I'm just surprised that they weren't like, "Hey, let's 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 let Jim draw this." Because <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm imagining they probably wanted that, yeah. but uh, given the the current uh, load, whatever he's working on, who knows? Plus the fact that X Men is like biweekly now or bi monthly. Mm, um, good point. You know, you get in when you can. That's why we have all these uh, fill-in artists. Yeah, and without spoiling too much, I think you get, you get, you get, you get 
uh, how do I put this? You get the Jim Lee next issue. Like all yeah. the all the Jim Lee you could possibly stomach uh, is packed into the next <laughs> issue. Uh, so look forward to that, everybody, as we talk about Jim Lee art. And as I'm just thumbing through it, there's a lot of dialogue boxes. Well, so you know, many it's also boxes. it's also a Chris Claremont joint. Let's not let's not forget about Chris. Yeah, he's like, oh, there's too many pictures here. Uh, how will they know what's happening? Let me put some words in here. This is way too dynamic. We we kid. We we love Chris Claremont and Jim Lee. And yes, we we love and to a degree we even love Mike Collins, but you yeah. know, only so much as in this issue and uh outside of this issue we don't even know him. Yeah, I, I give it a strong like. Yeah, uh, you know. Nah. He got he got to draw an X-Men comic. I it's tolerate cool. him. I don't it's hate this issue. issue. It's the first issue of Gambit. It was cool. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Could have been better. Are there any other modern X-Men comics, so so post-Giant Size, post-number 94, that are worth $400 and 9.4? Oh, well, Days of Future Past. Yeah, the uh, death of Jean Grey. Death of, all right, fine. Uh, Post-John Byrne. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, never mind. Prob- doesn't matter. Probably. There's probably f- first appearances of Callisto, Storm Loses Her Powers, first appearance of Forge. First appearance of Longshot, Dazzler first joins the team. I don't think that's worth much. It might not be. I'm just saying, there's a lot of a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's good point. That could be worth something to somebody. Adam, I'm asking you to speculate. Is this the most valuable comic outside of anything John Byrne did, or the first 95 issues of X Men and Giant Size X Men, and anything else that you perceive as worth money? <laughs> <laughs> Between the end of John Byrne and this issue, I'll say yes. Hmm. Although the first Jim Lee might also be worth a lot of money. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, There's a letter that we got that I, I wanted to talk about, uh, but you don't have it in our letters section. Uh, yeah, that there, there's I, I try to go in order, so oh. I just have I haven't. These are the letters that we got before that letter. I just haven't. I, I thought I copied and pasted that. I, I haven't letter. even talked to Adam about what that letter is, and he knows exactly what letter I know I'm talking about. Oh, all right, I, know, right, I know what you're talking about. I can't wait to I talk wanted, about it. I also wanted to respond to it, but no, I, no, and I, and I thought it was here. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I guess I'll wait <laughs> to talk about it. Or I mean, or we could just dig it up. But <laughs> let's go through these first, and I'll I'll dig it up. Sure. I, I actually, I think the letter is by one of these three people anyway, so oh. it'll, we'll just add it. Okay. On. Uh, perfect. So, uh, Adrian Bundy from Patreon writes, Hey guys, do you know how to set up an RSS feed for Patreon episodes? I'd love to have them appear with my podcast rather than using the Patreon app. If it costs more or something, I understand. I was just curious. Thanks for your work, gentlemen. Well, you're welcome. It's not that it costs more, and I, I'm just going to give the layman's uh, idea of what I think it is, and Jeremy's the uh, actually has the actual knowledge about it. But these are Patreon-exclusive episodes that we're talking about, and if we put it to the RSS feed, I don't think they're no, they're no longer exclusive. Am I correct about that? Well, yeah. D- mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty close. I mean, nothing's really. I mean, we, we've got exclusive content on Patreon. Which, if you're not checking out the Patreon site, you really should. There's there's all sorts of movie conversation, uh, the current Dawn of X stuff we're talking about. We've got giant size, Phantom X, Magneto, Jean Grey, Emma Frost, all sorts of great stuff up there. And, and right now, kind of uh, kind of the pandemic discount is it's all free. 
Um, you, you don't have to subscribe. You don't have to even give us that that dollar, that token dollar. Um, and but that, that brings up another good point: is that we're also trying to drive traffic to the Patreon. And yeah, let's let's, let's put it. Let's put yeah. it. Let's, it be, let's be honest. In all honesty, at some point, you know, down the road when this whole pandemic thing is done with, and and you know. We're trying to do our part. We understand, you know, for some people it's difficult, right? Maybe jobs slowed down or you don't have a job and, and that, that sucks. Like the least we can do is not like put our episodes behind a paywall. Uh, so that's the little thing that we're, we're able to contribute. And, and it's very little uh, in terms of uh, things that other people in this uh, world are doing. But I think it's a little bit better than Adam and I, you know, making a YouTube video of ourselves singing Imagine, right? I think it's a little bit better than I, that. Yeah, I, I, 100% better than that. <laughs> that being said, uh, we would really love for more people to go visit the Patreon site, uh, go check out that content, get addicted to that content so that when things are kind of back to normal, we could put that dollar paywall back up and maybe you'd be inclined to be like, hey, I'm actually kind of digging the stuff that they're putting up on Patreon. I'm going to give them a buck a month. Indeed. So there you go. It's it's all because, well, I don't know that we'll ever quit our jobs and earn a living off of the podcast. But, you know, maybe it would pay for an internet bill or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we get baby steps, right? Was, was that our every site's little low? bit and, helps. And, you know, it's not like, yeah, yeah every every little bit. It, and it shows, I don't know, I, I think we just appreciate it. That's yeah. All. It's neat. So if we if we made an RSS feed, one of two things would happen. It would no longer be exclusive or... Uh, you would you would you see it maybe uh, there's some technical stuff behind it that I probably don't quite understand but if it was kind of locked in with your login kind of when we go to the, the days of like it's no longer publicly accessible um, you would click on it and be like oh it's not here because you didn't log in so then that's why so patreon app uh, so sorry uh, but Andrew Franklin he writes in and he says uh, this episode felt jam-packed what episode is he talking about Oh, shoot. <laughs> I really liked this era of the book. Uh, even though now the cracks are a little bit more evident, the Morlock stuff's not great. So, oh, he's talking about the Forge Banshee uh, yes. period here. X- Uncanny X-Men number 264, yeah. the one in the sewers. But I really enjoy Forge as the lead character team up teamed up with Banshee. I also felt they were an interesting pairing. I'm a fan of how much the Genosians appear to. Extinction Agenda is my favorite X crossover and seeing the Ram up to that is fun i'm looking forward to revisiting the upcoming storm arc so we are currently visiting the storm arc and getting closer to extinction agenda um i will say adam that when i read uh, extinction agenda as they were coming out uh, in real time i wasn't really tracking like i read the issues but i'd never really went back and kind of read all 12 issues back to back uh, so never really appreciated it um, until recently. When I say recently, I mean, you know, within the last 10 years. When I picked up the hardbound trade paperback uh, edition that's got a lot of the build-up stories as well as the Extinction Agenda. So it's much more than just those 12 uh, issues or however many there are. Um, and, and I liked it. So I, I hope it stands the test of time as we as we read it again. I... Uh... The issues that I owned of it, I think, were just primarily X-Men ones. So I, when, when it was coming out, probably a little after when it came out, I was not too familiar with what was going on. And I didn't have any of the supplemental issues. But the one issue I remember uh, was an X-Men issue where Jubilee is like calling, crawling through the, um, 
or maybe it's Psylocke, because she says Jubilee would eat her heart out, or, or as, as Jubilee would no doubt say, Bruce Lee, or not Bruce Lee, <laughs> Bruce Willis, eat your heart out, because she's she's crawling through uh, like a like a uh, duct yeah. of some sort, sure. very Die Hard esque, and I I. I read and reread that issue just because I loved the art and I loved the dynamicism of it and I loved the dialogue and it was cool and I just thought it was so cool. And I think that's, you know, as you're young and you're getting into comics, anything that you think is cool, you just kind of read and reread and reread. Yep. Uh, so when when they were coming out in real time, I we would go to a, a comic book store in Norwood, New York. That is correct. And uh, the comic book guy there, he, he had bags, as many comic book stores did. Uh, and you, you put what you want on your bag, your, your regular subscriptions, your special orders, and etc. And uh, without fail, any sort of limited series or kind of ongoing arc, he would miss one comic. <laughs> <laughs> so I have like like uh, the Dark Horse Predators and Terminators. Uh, I... I I would always subscribe to all of those and I would always end up missing like issue two or three. <laughs> and uh, same thing with Extinction Agenda. I think I was missing one of the New Mutants issues. <laughs> it was like either the last issue of Extinction Agenda or the second to last issue of Extinction Agenda because I basically had everything up until like the cliffhanger and then it immediately just goes into like the next thing after Extinction Agenda. And I was like, mm-hmm. what? What? <laughs> So it wasn't until, like I said, 10 years ago, I was like, I was able to kind of sit down and uh, I think my wife was out of town. I think my kid was, I think I had the whole house to myself. And so, uh, you know, rather than like going to the bar and drinking up with the guys, uh, I snuggled up on the couch with my hardbound (laughs) extinction agenda. And I think I read it cover to cover. Wow. Yeah. Probably in like one or two settings. Probably one. It's it's a quick read, I think. I, well, it well, had all that not, supplemental material. It has all the though, extra yeah. stuff. And I, and I read like all the interviews and the background and you know all that supplemental information that they put in there. And I was like, this was really good. And the best part of it is I found it at a used bookstore for like, I don't know, 70% off uh, cover price. Mm, good times. Good so Andrew Franklin also writes, and this is not on the, the uh, sheet that you're looking at, but I think this is the letter that you are uh, referring to. Hey, guys, it just occurred to me that Forge's costume, his iconic yellow and blue X-Men uniform that he has always shown warning, made its debut in the issues you've been covering lately. Technically, I guess the one issue where the Reavers attack Muir Island and the Muir Island X-Men are assembled is where he first started wearing it. But now that he has it, it's been it's going to be what he wears for decades with few interruptions. It's still the costume he wears today. Just something to think about it. I know you've been critical of the way Forge hasn't really had a solid character voice and may not be lead character worthy, but it seems that his costume, at least, is connected with us uh, with uh, with us X fans. That is not the letter that I was referring to, but oh. well, can't help you then. I don't know what letter you're referring to. I'll have to, um... but we'll we'll cover it next time, I guess. No, it's it's worth me making up because I can't find it either. Um, okay, but to to address the the comments of Ford Ford the I don't the costume is good. Uh, uh, the, the costume is good, and I think it does it is kind of iconic. I feel like I have seen or I have one of the Forge Toy Biz comics or uh, sorry Toy Biz uh, action figures in which Forge is wearing that yellow and blue costume, um, and it's. It's good. Doesn't he get a jacket after a while? 
Yeah, I think yeah. he gets like a sh- like a Jim Lee style jacket, leather jacket, yeah. uh, and and also the pairing of um, Banshee and Forge, as unnatural as it seems, um, honestly, hindsight being twenty twenty, wouldn't have sold well, but it could have been like. It could have been like its own comic book, or maybe it should have been like a featured Marvel Comics presents Banshee and Forge, and it's just them like going around the world on on various capers. That could have been fun. I don't think that Forge is not a lead character worthy character. I think he's absolutely a lead character worthy character. I think Forge is great. I think Forge uh, could totally uh, be. A lead of any any of these issues of comic books uh, that we're doing in this current run. I think I think my my complaint was more that it didn't the way that they did it. It didn't feel earned to make a secondary character turn into a uh, main character, and that was that that wasn't a Forge specific argument. Uh, it was just kind of a character specific argument. Um, but Forge, I think, is great. He totally deserves to be a main character. I'm absolutely glad they made him a main character. Um, I got no complaints about Forge. Forge is awesome. No, that's uh, it's what that's what Chris Claremont does. He all these characters are around, and every now and then he dips in. And he's like, "Hey, where, what's this person been doing? Let's let's give this person an arc." Um, so it's all good. Uh, Scott Rennie says uh, it took me two years and eight months, but I'm finally caught up on all the old episodes. It's been a fun. It's been fun. But now I have to wait like a sucker for new episodes. You guys inspired me to reread all of my X-Men and X-related comics. So far, I have made it through all volumes of X-Force, X-Factor, and the New Mutants. Excalibur is up next, so keep up the good work. Wow, that's a lot of reading. Good luck with Excalibur, man. (laughs) Tell me about it. (laughs) Oh, the issue we're about to cover. Oh, boy. Um, uh, Greetings from the present? Oh, well, he's in the present. So greetings from now. Glad you caught up to us. Also known as the present. Sure. Somebody wrote into us, and I, I don't remember. Oh, here. No. I feel like it came from Facebook, and every now and then, like, things go to Facebook, uh, and they just seem to get lost in the shuffle. That could be. Oh, here we go. It's from Bruce Glenn. It was sent to us on November 19th, uh, and he messaged us and said, Do you guys like the X Men, or comics for that matter? After listening to about 95 episodes of your podcast, I can't tell why you guys do this. <laughs> Bruce Glenn's little avatar face thing on um on on Facebook is a smiley face. It's a yellow smiley face, uh kind of like uh, the Watchmen but it doesn't have the the blood smear on it. Um so I couldn't tell if he was saying this in jest like do you, these guys like comics, right? You guys you guys like comics, right? Or if he's like you guys talk so much crap about comics, like why do you do this? Why do you guys keep putting yourself through the hell of reading comics? Because you clearly don't like comics. Um, so I did not see this one. <laughs> um, and it's I, I guess the the thing that stuck out to me was like 95 episodes. Now, I'm, I'm wondering if you like our show. <laughs> well, the thing that the first thing that I thought is like, is if, if this is a, a kind of a, a negative, um, like, I don't like your show. Like I listen to 95 episodes. Fair question. Well, like that's a lot I mean, of. If, if if after listening to ninety five episodes you don't like our show, 
I mean, good on you. <laughs> well, and you, you def- That's definitely, valid. Yeah, you definitely gave it a fair shake. I mean, nobody can say like, oh, you know, it's not like uh, uh, Star Star Trek Deep Space Nine where you're like, oh, yeah, the first four seasons aren't good. But as soon as you get to season five, that's where it really picks up. <laughs> you know, if you've gotten to season six of Deep Space Nine and you still don't like it, you're just not going to like it and you should probably stop watching. Same thing with the show. I feel like 95, I don't really know what we were talking about by episode 95, but if you don't like it then, you're never going to like it. So good for not listening. But the other thing it made me think of was uh, we've made it, right? If if there's somebody writing in to be like, I don't like your show, <laughs> that means we've made it. I don't think he's getting I'm, somewhere. You can't listen to 95. I mean, maybe he doesn't. I mean, I don't know. If If I didn't like a show, I certainly wouldn't make it to 95 episodes. That, that's just shocking to me. What if, but um, what, I think I think and I'm going to imagine this. I'm going to put myself into Bruce Glenn's shoes. I think he does like the show, but he doesn't know why he likes the show. And I'm going to tell you why you like the no. show. It's because it's because we do love the X-Men mm-hmm. and because you feel that you feel that in your heart of hearts, you can feel our love for the X-Men. And yeah, we like to nitpick things because mm-hmm. it's fun. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's not that we don't like it. Um, we don't like the new. Uh, the new Star Trek cartoon. Although to be fair, I haven't given it 95 episodes. I've only given it one. So who knows? Maybe it'll turn around and it'll be an amazing thing. I watched the second episode. Was it the same? Better? Worse? To me, it's just, it's like, it's, um, uh, it's like, um, oh man, I'm trying, I'm I'm struggling to come up with an example. It's, it's just like a show, right? (laughs) I don't know. It's like, I, I watched those two episodes and I'm like, Okay, like I don't, I don't hate it. I don't like it. There's nothing to be like. What's the next episode? There's certainly nothing that made me want want to binge it. Uh, but so you, it you certainly seem to have some some pent up emotions about about that show, and I appreciate that, Adam. Um, I I, I liken it to a band like the Foo Fighters. They're mm. definitely a band. <laughs> okay. Um, they they definitely fit into the genre known as rock music. But uh, they, in my opinion, are neither memorable nor talented. Well, no, I can't say they're not talented. They know how to play their instruments competently. They can write structured songs. But there is nothing uh, remotely interesting about them. Um, but they obviously appeal to a lot of people. So they they have a mass audience sort of appeal. What, and, what, are, uh, what are your thoughts on Oasis? I like Oasis, but oh. they, that's more of a nostalgia thing. Okay. Um, I, they had that. They had Oasis. that one album that was like the album, along with I think Alanis Morissette's. Oh, Jagged Little uh, Pill. Jagged Little Pill that everybody heard and listened to, and it's I, like. Yeah. Okay. So that Jagged Little Pill is an album that if if you were there for it, uh, you were there for it, and if you weren't there for it, you're probably like, I don't get it. What's the fuss? And I, <laughs> I, I feel like that's the same with Oasis. All right, that's if you fair. were there for that album then you probably like Oasis because it was just a moment in time where it was like, this is, this is what music is right now. Yeah. Um, I wonder where do you stand on Wonderwall? as a song? The more you live, like, so when I first, when I first heard Wonderwall, I hated it. I hate it. Still hate it. And, uh, and I hated the video and I hated everything about it, but somehow it, grew on me and uh eventually i bought that album wow and i and i i learned to play wonderwall on guitar so obviously i must yeah, like it okay. somewhat um so yeah i like it all right so i want to go back to the 95 episodes um okay i have a i have a parallel so i think i can kind of relate uh to him i've closed do my phone think, so i forgot his name do you th- uh, uh 
Bruce Glenn. Bruce Do you Glenn, think yes. he is uh, hate watching our show? Because that's a whole other, other thing. <laughs> I, don't it's, like, I don't think it's hate. I, I can support that. If you if you absolutely hate everything that we say, like just keep going, man. <laughs> uh, and keep sending your, your feedback because I wonder if, yeah. if we get any better or worse. Or Yeah. How do we sound at episode, what, uh, uh, 190? We want to know. Wait. 95 plus 95 is... 190. Yeah. What do we sound like at episode 190? No, I was going to liken it to this. Um, there was a moment in my uh, my past where I watched the um, the uh, uh, what's that show with the guys that everybody likes? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Um, the show with the guys that everybody likes. Yeah. Like, is, it, is it a guy or guys? These guys, and then there's that it's girl. Several, several- Okay, there's several guys and a girl friends. No. No? I was a good guess though. No, on, yeah, gotta... yeah, sure, sure. More modern than that. Um the the facts it, of life. No. The yeah, it's a sitcom. Is it a genre? Is it hour long drama? Thirty minutes, they uh, have a laugh track. It was a sitcom, so thirty minutes. Uh um, the the fact the Seinfeld. No. Uh, it the, the first word of the title is the <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. got the okay. Sheldon character and um, oh, the Big Bang, the Big theory. Bang Theory. So, all right, Oof. Um, I watched a lot of those episodes, and okay. I moderately enjoyed most of them enough to be like, yeah, let's watch another one. Yeah, let's watch another one. Yeah, let's watch another one. I think that show. I don't know how many seasons that how many seasons that show has run, uh, but I probably watched a good six seasons uh, until one day I was like, I don't want to watch this anymore. And it wasn't like a conscious, like, I hate this. It's just like the next season started and I didn't like, oh, it wasn't like, oh, I got to get that on the DVR and got to catch up on my Sheldon's. <laughs> uh, it just it, it kind of came and went. And, and then and then after I, I didn't watch it for a while, like I didn't think about it. And, and then, you know, I, I was like, eh, I wonder I wonder what that was all about. <laughs> so i you know so that that's that's a, a case where i watched a lot of something got to a point where i was like oh, i don't like this i don't hate it but i don't and I, I think that can be true of media too i mean you listen to a podcast for a long time and then one day you just stop listening to it i mean that happens so but i feel like the the subtext of bruce glenn's message is i'm listening to your podcast and i'm hearing that you don't like the subject matter that you're covering why are you doing this so obviously we, we we already answered that we said we do we 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 love this quite a lot and in fact uh part of the reason for that is that it generates a lot of content for us we love talking about this yeah, stuff yeah. Mm-hmm. we love the sound of our own voices talking about this stuff there's a weird like culture thing happening right now where it's fun to make fun of things and whether or not that's valuable, it is. It's in the culture, and people love it. And I, we're not doing it on purpose. Um, the 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 whole idea of this show was like we both love the X Men. Let's talk about every issue of the X Men one by one. <laughs> we're going to go through the whole thing. Um, I, I I can I can definitely say that we were pretty hard on those first sixty or so issues. But, but still, I mean, and, and with, I still, I still love those issues with, because they come from a different place. And I think, I think I love them more than you do. But with love, though, I was going to say, I think there's a, uh, 
uh, a um, with every with every joke jab. Uh, it's all done uh, w- with a bit of with a bit of love with those issues. Um, and I, I also would say that while it is fun to to nitpick and to to I don't want to say be mean, but but I, I put a little sarcasm in there and whatnot. I don't ever think. I try. I hope this is the case, anyways. That this that 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 we don't come off as just like mean to the content creators and mean to the source material, but but kind of like gentle, playful ribbing. Um, I, I definitely guess there's probably like if Jim Shooter listened to some of our Secret Wars stuff, he'd be like, "These guys are dicks." <laughs> <laughs> that could happen, I guess, right? But you know, still, uh, and even out that, of context. Though, I mean, the, the, the thing is, like, 60s comics are weird and right. they're in, they're fun because they're weird. 70s comics are weird in a totally different way, but they're still fun. 80s comics, I never really appreciated 80s comics until probably the past couple of years. I've really been getting into 80s comics. <laughs> they are weird in a whole different way. They're weird in an it. 80s way. And yeah, they, exactly. They're, they're... And, 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 and that can, I'm so looking forward to going through 90s comics because I'm just like, I never 90s was the period when I got out of comics because it was overblown and gross and stupid. And I'm I'm sure I'm going to have a ton of fun relearning about 90s comics. Well, yeah. Learning about 90s comics. I was I was hoping you weren't going to say 90s culture, because the thing is, is comics (laughs) represent the decade that they're in, but in an overinflated manner. So the things that we were reading in the 60s X-Men were what like out of touch comic writers thought the sixties were all about. Same thing in the seventies yeah. and the eighties and the nineties. Uh, and, and as you know, we weren't kids of the sixties or seventies, probably mostly kids of the late eighties, early to mid nineties. We definitely, as we read those things are like, Nope, nobody talked like that. Nope. Nobody was doing things like that. But yet the, the content creators thought they did. And that's, that's interesting that that's a, a slice of, um, of pop culture that can never be recreated. I, you know, when we covered like the um, X-Men 92, which was a fun read, it just, Mm -hmm. it, it was a parody, right. Uh, Of, and that's not a negative thing. It's like, you can't be back in that era redoing that material. All you can do is your homage to it or, or a nice um, uh, facsimile or, or whatever you want to call it of it. Uh, But it didn't have the same style, feel attitude uh, because the people that wrote X-Men 92 knew what they were doing. Whereas the people in the nineties writing X-Men X-Force uh, were right. like, were were taking themselves very seriously. Uh, it's almost of what a parody, a parody of what a parody in the nineties would be like. Right. So anyways, um, we do like what we do. Bruce Glenn. And I, and I hope that you've made it, you know, you said, you know what, I'm going to give them another 105 episodes, 150 <laughs> episodes to 200 and however many episodes to get to issue number th- episode number 309 uh and i hope that you're here now and you're listening to this and, and you're like oh, maybe these guys do like the x-men well i hope you hear i mean there's no way of knowing unless you would tell us but if you make it to this episode which i think is 311 sure uh let us know if we've okay. changed your mind or if you still think we hate things or 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 uh maybe maybe give us a little more detail if you care that much i think um, it would be amazing if he listened to all 311 episodes, writes in and says, I've listened to all 311 episodes and I still don't know if you like the X-Men or why <laughs> you do this. Because then I've got questions. Because then I'd be like, I you like what we do. Because like, like what, what you're giving us is not enough information to really <laughs> analyze 
what you're trying to tell us. So we, we so we we just need more information. Well, anyways, yeah. So that 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 was the letter that I really wanted to get to, and we did. So I'm so happy. Um, if you would like to to ask us if we like comics or what we do, uh, that, we, and we apologize for spending an hour on the last letter. No way. That was good stuff, man. Everybody wanted to know what we thought about that letter that they'd yeah. never seen before. Yeah, yeah. Um, reach out to us at www.xmenpodcast.com. Go out to facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. You can follow our Twitter account at Danger Room Go. Email us, dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com. Go out to iTunes, subscribe to us, leave us uh, some feedback or some stars. And go out to the aforementioned www.patreon.com forward slash Danger Room. There is no RSS feed, but there's plenty of exclusive Patreon content. Our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld, and there's so much bonus content that we're splitting this one into two episodes. Well, until next time, everybody, uh, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed.